the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat. We've got an extra special Wednesday edition because, yes, like every single Wednesday, we are going to be hitting you with that big game breakdown going inside the matchup. What we're looking at going into Texas, Oklahoma, going into Alabama, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Louisville, and maybe if you're watching live a little bit more, more on that in a little bit. But because we have finished the full September of college football, that means we are going to be handing out our September superlatives. For those of you who've been with us for a while, that you you understand that that's why I'm wearing a tuxedo right now. You understand that we have some awards. It is player of the month. It is coach of the month. It is team of the month. It is the game of the month. And of course, the Fornellis uh, turn our spotlight on some unique uh, situations Unique awards. You do. How many you got right now for the Fornellis? Uh, six. Six. Nice. I like Good to hear that. Um, rapid fire though. So before we uh, we hit the music and start the award show, real fast, we do have Wednesday night football. It's going to be Jacksonville State and Middle Tennessee, FIU and New Mexico State midweek. Cayusa. Getting you rocking and rolling all through the month of October. So, any leans or thoughts for uh, anybody who's getting this before kickoff on Wednesday night? What's the Twitter tip, Tom? I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. I was so busy preparing for the show this morning that I haven't really dug into tonight's games. Also, I forgot there were games tonight. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I've I've been having this circle for a long time. As soon as they announced that Conference USA was going to be midweek, I had to had to get myself ready. I've been sleep training myself for the lack of sleep. I'm going to get over, I think it's 49 straight days of football. Mm-hmm. Between, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, there's either a college football or an NFL game every single day for the next 50 days. But you got any uh, leans or thoughts on the slate tonight? I, I think I'm the only person who likes middle, honestly. 
Like I, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see if a three pops. And it, if it does, I'll, I'll take middle. I wouldn't lock up three and a half. I, pretty good live, live betting game tonight. If you guys are into that kind of thing, um, because they both play with good tempo and they both blitz a ton. So you're going to have probably some explosive scores. This, this would be a good game for the old school, uh, longest, longest score prop. If your book still offers that, I'd, I would play that over here. Um, pretty fun game to watch. Like there'll probably be a lot of sacks, turnovers, explosive plays. I, I, I dabbled a little bit this morning. I took some, uh, what did I take? Middle uh, minus 11 plus 270, uh, which cool. was out. That, that felt kind of off market. I, I, I priced that more at like 211. So um, took a little bit of that. If, if you guys have anything close to that. Mode. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm yeah, going, a, a, a fun live Kiyusa, betting and derivative yeah, game. Yeah, Kiyusa alt line Wednesday night. Let's go. Market yeah. ain't got the right price on. Hey, it. you know what? It, it when you pay for that suburban, it, they, they don't ask where. They, they just say give it, give it a check. Uh, FIU New Mexico State. I am not betting FIU. I just I can't get to this number. I can't you know, get to uh, – who says that New Mexico State can be trusted to cover six and a half points given what we've seen from the team this year? That's uh, kind of my thought too. Um, I love Kayon Jenkins, but he is he is very high up there with the whoopsie-daisy rate, and yeah. that is one reason why maybe you should be considering New Mexico State in this one. They're running like the uh, the pre-veer-and-shoot uh, hypo stuff from Missouri, which is kind of interesting, but, I mean, New Mexico State's got some time to prep for it. I, People who I think are smarter than me in college football like New Mexico State here. So it's not like I'm not betting New Mexico State, but it's enough to keep me off FIU. Over 48 and a half, maybe? I don't know. If New Mexico State's in control of this game, they'll slow They're it just going to sit good. on it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, also, go ahead. FIU did a horrid job defending the, the, uh, the, the option that Liberty runs two weeks ago. Do we think that they'll do a better job? Because New Mexico State runs kind of option type stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we, we appreciate it. We'll be dialed in again, Jacksonville state, middle Tennessee, uh, eight o'clock and then FIU, New Mexico state, that game. You can see it on the CBS sports network. All right, let's go ahead and welcome everybody in. There's the bottles of champagne on the table and we are ready to have our And welcome to the Cover 3 September Superlatives. We, of course, are handing out many awards here this evening. The Player of the Month, the Coach of the Month, the Team of the Month, the Game of the Month, and the Fornellis for the month of September. Five weeks this year in the month of September. So let's begin our conversation with the Player of the Month. Bud, what's your nominee for Player of the Month? I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels. LSU uh, leads the country in EPA in uh, non-blowout situations. I, I think he's been really pretty good. You know, LSU's defense has given him almost no help. Uh, he's the only guy with two losses who has any shot at the Heisman at this point. And uh, I, I just I think we should recognize a really good month by him. He's <laughs> I mean, yeah, like he's he's doing a good job. He's one of the you know five to ten best passers in almost all like individual passing statistics in the entire country. That passing attack with Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas is absolutely phenomenal. Offense did enough to win on Saturday. So <laughs> <laughs> ain't Jaden Daniels' fault that they lost to Ole Miss. That's for sure. He's just looked better throwing the ball. Um, 
than, than I thought he would. You know, like I, I was kind of a doubter of his. And I, I really never been all that impressed with how he throws it. And I, I've just, he's looked better this month than he ever has to me. All right, Tom, what's your nominee? Oh, I've got four, but um, I don't know. I don't know the neutral state EPA for any of these guys, but I figure they've got to be pretty good. And my primary nominee is the man driving the wagon, Michael Penix. Mm. Just I don't. I don't really think I need to go in too great of detail here. He's just throwing a whole lot of balls down the field, throwing for a lot of yards, throwing for a lot of touchdowns, and killing defenses. Who else did you? All right, so I've got Caleb Williams. He was on my list. Yes. Yeah. I. I. What has Caleb Williams done to change your perception of him, other than the most outstanding player in college football? I mean, you got like Nothing. what? Yeah, like. like <laughs> Like, I can think off the top of my head of one or two, oh, Caleb, you shouldn't have done that, baby. But who doesn't have that through five games of the season, especially at the quarterback position? Um, so I, I'm kind of in the position where Caleb has somehow been able to raise his own bar. And when the expectation was that high, I, it's been outstanding. I've got Caleb Williams as my, as my player of the month. But I, I think the you shouldn't do that is kind of baked into Caleb's game. I don't think Caleb can be Caleb without the you shouldn't do that because you shouldn't do that, but he can do it. And I think that's what separates him from everybody else. He does stuff that you shouldn't be doing, and he does it effectively. Do you know who else shouldn't do that is Pat Mahomes and does it. <laughs> exactly. Right. It. it uh, I, I talked to uh, Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated yesterday. He called me, and uh, we were talking. He's like, dude, do you think that Colorado, because a lot of people are saying Colorado mismanaged the end of game situation there, right? With, with how long they took on that final drive. I know Dion, Dion took a question about it uh, yesterday. And he's like, do you think that maybe they were playing like just for the onside kick so that Caleb would like Caleb would not get the ball back? Like they were trying to score. Don't even want to like, like have the decision of do we kick it off and try to get a stop to get the ball back? Like just score, take a lot, a lot longer time when you're down 14 and onside kick it so that he never gets the ball back. I was like, that sounds crazy to me and probably not optimal, but it's it's not totally out of realm possibility. And if, if so, that's a major credit to Caleb Williams and just how damn good he is. Speaking of Colorado, I've got all of Danny's nominations here. Um, Danny currently on uh, in transit right now to go be a part of some of the CBS Sports Network coverage of the midweek college football. Uh, I believe you can catch him on Thursdays, uh, college football mm -hmm. desk he's got Shadur Sanders as his player of the month and I mean Shadur talk, talk about somebody else that's just checked boxes and then even exceeded expectations he loses Travis Hunter and uh and still is able to go out there against um you know not successful as much against Oregon as he was against USC but still a strong performance for him right there his honorable mention included Michael Penix um Tom's recommendation Caleb Williams my recommendation Jonathan Brooks with a note from Danny, all the focus on Quinn Ewers has taken the focus off Brooks, who is top three in the country in rushing. And then he's also got Cam Ward uh, as somebody to, to keep an eye on. So we got to make some tough decisions here. Only one player can be the Cover 3 podcast player of the month for the month of September. I, I want to give special shout outs to Audrey Estime and Luther Burden, who are both on my candidates list. But my vote, I mean... It's Michael Penix. I, I think you're all very wrong if you don't think it's Michael Penix. 
Gotta have a, got, are we going to have a, I love this comment here. Uh, Ryan in the chat says, Estime would win the Heisman in 1990. <laughs> he would, yes. Yeah, he is doing yeah. all of, like being a Notre Dame running back and running as well as he has uh, through this season so far. He is a prime 1990 Heisman Trophy winner. And a one-loss Notre Dame right now, the last second loss to Ohio State in 1990, would probably still be ranked number one. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> was, when, when we were just deciding the national championship by the polls, mm -hmm. that Notre Dame team still definitely got they enough. They showed votes. a lot of fight in that loss. I'm going to put him at number one. <laughs> um, all right, bud, we, we got we to we gotta make some decisions. You, you came out here with Jane Daniels. I'm not hearing a lot of support for Jane Daniels. Yeah, there's not a lot of support in the chat because his, his team lost two games. Uh, Shador's team also lost two games. We, you want to give it to Penix? Like, he's been basically perfect. Well, okay, so it's Penix or Caleb, I think. And you've got I think Caleb's got a shot to win it next month, though, as well. With, as the competition picks up. The fact like they've both been really, really good. Yeah. So, Penix? Penix? Penix. Right. I'm down with it, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Michael Penix, you are the Cover 3 Podcast Player of the Month for the month of September. All right, Coach of the Month. I mean... Oh, easy. Right. For me. Do we all have the same one? Do you believe... <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah easily uh, easily i mean is is does anybody have a nominee other than that oh oh wait hold on just a second let me open up this envelope oh no come on <laughs> i danny, i have danny cannell coach of the month top nominee jake dickert that was the other yeah i i had four mm -hmm. um dion mike norvell jake dickert Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, Sark's a good one. I didn't I have that on my board, but that's a smart one right there. I had four that weren't Dion because I knew Dion was going to win. Um, <laughs> I got Sark, Venables, Brom, and Elko. Mm. Do you think that if we coached Oklahoma, the Oklahoma's record would be any different than it, than it is right now? No, but I think that after a very rough first season – They've come out and they've been doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and just absolutely blowing the doors off people for the most part. I mean, they've struggled a couple times on the road, but they've won. They've had adversity. They've overcome it. And last year, this was a team that I feel like kind of made mistakes in those moments. And the coaching, I don't know, newness, I guess, inexperience, being a head coach kind of showed at times. I don't think it's showing this year. I think that they're doing a much better job. Elko probably also belongs on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely for the list of consideration. Uh, what about Neil Brown? <laughs> you know, listen, you, yeah. you do not get credit for being able to take that team and being able to uniquely motivate them to get off to a four and one start, right? I agree. Like, I, mm -hmm. I didn't know until maybe a couple weeks ago that their breakdown is that they break down on 14. Y'all heard this? As in the position they were picked in the Big Twelve in the mid in the preseason oh, poll, oh, I love that. like they were picked dead last, and he's used that, and like they they break down on fourteen because they were picked fourteenth out of fourteen teams. Chat chat has a uh, Kurt Signetti a JMU definitely oh, a good, yeah. good good option. Like they, mm -hmm. they I think they're the only team in the country that's played back to back to back road games, and and they they ended up was it Utah State Troy UVA and mm -hmm. and, and won them all. 
Um, that's that's certainly a good one. I'm sure there, there's more. Oh, honestly, Whittingham, for how bad that quarterback situation is for, for them to to only have one loss right now is, is kind of impressive. But the but the winner, I mean, do you believe that? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I mean, if you get get up and first take talking about you, like, and we, you know, what I think of the roster. Like, I'm definitely yeah. voting for for Dion in the first month. Dion doesn't even play for the Cowboys or the Lakers, and they're talking about him on first take. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, congratulations, a hearty congratulations to the Cover Three Podcast Coach of the Month, Dion Sanders of Colorado. We continue to hate Colorado. Yeah, yeah, that's a, just a reminder. That is Dion Sanders, the Cover Three <laughs> Podcast Coach of the Month. The Cover Three Podcast Coach of the Month, Dion Sanders of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Coming up on the other side, we're not just talking players, we're not just talking coaches. What about the team? Who is the team of the month for September and our favorite games, the Fernellis, and more? Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, uh, we continue to roll on with our September superlatives with the Team of the Month. Tom, what's your nomination for Team of the Month? Uh, duh. You can't spell Washington without wagon. Washington, to me, through the first month of the season, when you take out the strength schedule and you just look at how a team is playing, no team has been more impressive to me than the Washington Huskies. I'd say Michigan, who is another candidate of mine, is a close second. And then I also, and my other nominee, Texas. I just think looking at this month, those were the three teams that had the big wins and have played the most impressive. And I'm sure you guys have some other nominees, but that's where I'm going. This is one where, like, we wow, I, I didn't have any of those on my list. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, Texas has played, like, like they played Bama – and Bama's look like a mess, and they beat them. They deserve credit, but like a bunch of nobodies. I, I went with teams that have like at least two good wins. Okay, Florida State and Washington State. Like to me, that that's that's fairly impressive stuff so far. You know, I, I Florida State goes into Death Valley, first team to beat them by more than a point in what a decade. They also blew out LSU, so like LSU has two losses now. They don't have two blowout losses. Right. You keep calling that a blowout loss, and that's fine, but they were trailing 45 17, and they put a bunch of freshmen in there, and and Daniels throws an 84 yarder with like two minutes left. But they were trailing at halftime. I mean, it wasn't a wire to wire work them, you know? No, but if you're up 28 on LSU and and, and you yank the starters garbage time, like that's pretty blowout y. Yeah. I, I don't know. If it played again, if they played 10 times. That was the outcome that is the most heavily slanted towards Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah, like, like obviously we wouldn't favor them. You know, I would not favor them by twenty-eight over LSU. If they played the game again, I think you have to make FSU the favorite, though. Like, I, I bet them. I, I thought they're a better team, but you know they were an underdog in a game. Um. All right, I've got Texas. I. It's. It, what is it? Uh, what was the meme, Tom? The Simpsons meme. The, um, it's he's oh, it's a competition for third graders. Yeah, and Homer's beating their brains out. <laughs> yeah, like I think that Texas has done everything, you know, that you have wanted from a team that's supposed to be a national championship contender. Like they have been really thorough in dispatching their first two conference opponents. And yeah, backup quarterback, sure. But how have they looked? Like they are 
getting out there and absolutely dominating teams. You throw in the Alabama win, which I didn't, Alabama might be a mess from Alabama standards, but that is still a ridiculous game to go in and win on their turf against a defense that right now I think is one of the best in the entire country in the Crimson Tide. So I, Texas is my team. Uh, obviously, Washington uh, deserves some credit here. Colorado as well. How about Oregon? That's a team yeah. that has changed my per- – like I've got Oregon not – I'm not Oregon played? Have they played any any team in the top half of the country? My concern with Oregon was that they, I no, but there are teams that have played that have played people like that actually won the won hard games early in the season. But I thought Oregon was going to look like USC, and Oregon doesn't look like USC because Mm -hmm. Oregon's the one team. And when we were power ranking the Pac-12 teams, they actually look like they have a defense with some structure that's not going to be totally leaky and picked apart. My expectation was that the Ducks would be a little bit closer to USC and. Maybe Washington. I don't know. Maybe a little TBD on the Huskies defensive side of the ball. They look the most well-rounded in the Pac-12. I think that they have been you know, very impressive along those same lines of, all right, who have you played, but how have you looked along the way? Also, they might have an NFL wide receiver for like the first time in a decade. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're talking about Franklin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's that he has lived up to expect, expectations as well. Um, so yeah, like I've I've got Washington, I've got Florida State, we got Colorado, but I I had Texas as my vote. I I hate Florida State, so anybody with Florida State's good with me. Who does Danny have? Texas. Oh, that's three of us with Texas. I mean, I guess my vote doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> hey, it's just Peter like a Republican in, in Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, yeah it's like living like a republican in illinois or a democrat in florida there you go <laughs> and now congratulations to steve sarkeesian quinn ewers jonathan brooks and the texas longhorns you are the cover three podcast team of the month for the month of what was that what was that <laughs> all right there you go <laughs> Um, and now we turn to the game of the month. Got some pretty good ones here. Danny's got a, an off the wall uh, honorable mention. It's not his his winner, but uh, but Tom, why don't you take the lead? Or Bud, why don't you take the lead here? What's your uh, game of the month? My my game of the month is from week two. I'm gonna go Kansas State at Missouri. Explosive plays, awesome defense at times back and forth the entire day. Like you got to see really good playmakers, good, good quarterback play, dramatic ending with a thicker kicker hitting a 61-yarder after a penalty to end it. It's the most fun game I've watched the entire year. I, I, I think that's the game of the month. It was on my list. It is one of eight games I nominated. Um, the one I have on top, though, Colorado 45 TCU 42. It's the game that kind of started the entire storm because the expectations for Colorado coming in, the the preseason win total is three and a half. They come out, and yeah, TCU has proven to be that it's not the same team that reached the title game last year. But for Colorado to come out in that game, have that kind of performance, and get the win, considering what we all expected from it before the season began, I think was the biggest game of the month and it was a fun entertaining game and that it was high scoring and close um that is also 
Danny's recommendation, and uh, he also included in there not only the Colorado coming out party, but that Travis Hunter's individual performance mm-hmm. in that game, playing on both sides, the ridiculous um, awareness and closing speed on the interception in the end zone, you know, the every, everything about that all along the way um, was, was definitely a reason to have it. Colorado TCU is also his nomination. The nomination I turned into Jordan is Kansas State, Missouri. Uh oh. When you're 5'11, 243 pounds from Warsaw, Indiana, you got a lot of momentum when you rear that leg back and you swing it on forward. Did he get a little bit of a nice breeze right there in Columbia? Yeah, probably. 61 yards to win, as Bud mentioned, at the end of a very, very, you know, well played game between two teams that I still have a lot of respect for. You know, as we go in and you know break down all the the games that have followed, I, I still look at these as two you know very strong teams so far through this part of the season. So we got a two-two tie. All right, here's some other honorable mentions. Um, I mentioned DK threw me off with this one. He threw Baylor UCF on there. So did I. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay, let's give some love to the insane comeback. But um, you know, I think that overall, it's. It's going to be difficult to vote for that one over others. What uh, what else was on your uh, list, Tom? I had Texas 34, Alabama 24. Yeah. I thought just stakes and the upset of Alabama losing at home. Uh, I had another Colorado game. Colorado 43, Colorado State 35. Everybody in the world was up until, what, 1 a.m. watching that one. Uh, Florida State 31, Clemson 24. That was a really fun, entertaining game. Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. Not the most electric as far as offense was concerned, but a close game that came down to the final moments. Notre Dame 21, Duke 14. Another similar game to the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, and then there was the Baylor 36, UCF 35. Those were the eight games that I considered, but I still think Colorado TCU is the number one game. No, I'm looking Notre Dame Duke. You cannot have Riley Leonard's whole like October torched on one play and then say that was one of the games of the month. That was heartbreaking. I mean, you know, it's only a high ankle sprain. He was not going to die. He'll be fine. But did you die? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think there is an aspect here where it's like, was the ending great or like was the whole game great? The, the reason why I went with Kansas State, Missouri is like that thing mm-hmm. was really, really well played from the jump. Like it, it was exciting plays the entire time. And there was some defense. Like if we're going to go shootout, Old Miss LSU, right? I, I like Kansas State, Missouri was a good mix of like shooty, but like you did have some really good defensive plays too. I, I don't know, like that's the best game I've watched so far this year. The um, I would say that the ending also is there for Ohio State Notre Dame, where yeah, ending was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the entire game I was in. Oh, it was boring. We we we, we can say it. Like it was it was exciting. Like in terms of like the drop, like the it was competitive, but right. it wasn't really like an enjoyable watch necessarily. Like unless you guys like watching, you know, ten to ten. I, sometimes I do, but that's the I thing do. is like there Tom's are like, yes, sir. Well, like there are thirteen to tens that are different than the others, mm-hmm. right? That's fair. And so I, I, I mentioned this to Jordan before we got started, but like that was a game where you came out of Ohio State Notre Dame, and even though both teams are still top teams in the country, you kind of downgraded both of them. 
Also, as, as ERO points out in the chat, there were a lot of fourth down stops in that Notre Dame-Ohio State game. So it was teams that were, wasn't necessarily that the offenses stunk, it was that the defenses came through in key moments. That's a good point. Very good point. All right, so we've got two for Colorado TCU, two for Kansas State-Missouri. Should we turn the tiebreaker over to Jordan or the chat? I say the chat. I don't care chat. what Jordan thinks. Chat. Okay, so those are your options. Kansas State-Missouri or Colorado TCU. Chat, be sure to let us know what you got. Danny also threw the Colorado State-Colorado as a um, an extra one. He also had Kansas State-Missouri there. His, his notes were a really fun, clean game, and the winner by the thicker kicker, he said, close to being my number one. I'm seeing. Oh, listen, if K State Mizzou wins, I won't be upset about it. Wait, what you think? I I think it's K. I, think I mean, it, we're seeing so far. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of Kansas State Missouri. Yeah. We're gonna call it. See, cover three likes Colorado. The chat we do. hates Colorado. Yeah. yeah, don't don't forget. That's always the chat there. So congratulations to the Alpha Nerd Eli Drinkwitz, to Harrison Mavis, the thicker kicker. It is Missouri Kansas State. It's your Cover 3 podcast game of the month for the month of September. Still the best ad we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and y'all actually got that one done beforehand. Because I remember in like the very first, in the very first like segment, it was like, and if the ad read we just did is any sign, we're off the rails, baby. (laughs) That was, uh, yeah. Uh, game, uh, game of the month, team of the month. Sorry, so to review our player of the month for the month of September, congratulations to Washington quarterback Michael Penix, our coach of the month for the month of September. That is Deion Sanders from Colorado. Our team of the month for the month of September is the Texas Longhorns. And the game of the month, Missouri over Kansas State. Congratulations once again to those award winners. And now it is time to turn it over to Tom Fernelli for the Fernellis. All right. So we've got some big game breakdowns to get to. So I'm going to get through these as quickly as possible. We're going to start with the Whoopsie Daisy King of the Month Award goes to none other than our beloved Anthony Calandria, who was just an electric factory all month long. Whether he was actually making plays, trying to make plays, or making terrible plays, it was just—it was never boring watching that kid play. Please put him back in as the starter, Virginia. Give us something. Give us a reason to watch you. Nobody wants to watch Tony Musket throw for six yards an attempt as you lose seventeen to fourteen. Um, the next one is the thirsty coach of the month, Mel Tucker. I mean, Mel Tucker wins the thirsty coach of the month award for. Uh, I mean, I think we all know why, and that <laughs> that leads. That leads to our next award, which is the BS message board rumor of the month. Urban Meyer to Michigan State. Yes, that's right, folks. The school with the Larry Nasser scandal and who just had to fire its coach for once again being Mel Tugger is going to hire Urban two knuckles deep Meyer to replace him and run that athletic department. Really good. That's a great rumor. Keep floating it. Get the people listening to your radio shows and reading your columns. Uh, The crispiest secondary of the month award goes to LSU. You know, we have spent a lot of time on this show talking about how the SEC doesn't have any good quarterbacks. LSU is doing its damnedest to make the SEC quarterbacks look better by letting everybody throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns against it. We appreciate your contributions, Tigers. Uh, the uh, Let's see what's next. Oh, the Player Hater of the Month Award, Lou Holtz. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I mean, it's 
keep going. It's really, really working. The fact that he is still going on shows and just trash in Ohio State. He moved him down in his Super 16 ballot, even though they didn't play. He moved him down like five or six spots. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I love it. It's it's stupid fun, which is what this sport is supposed to be, even if Ryan Day doesn't think it's very fun. And then finally, the golfing cover three co-host of the month award goes to me. I broke 90 yesterday, bitches. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, blacked out I, on the back nine. Blacked out on the back nine. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> somebody uh, somebody from the chat tipped me to where Holtz hangs. And so I kind of want to see if we can get Lou on the show and just like let, let just just let let the chopper spray and just get all the takes. <laughs> Wait, near you? Yeah, he he lives in Orlando. So okay, so here's the deal. Just it, it may obviously journalistic practices. You got to let him know, but like, d- don't even give him a chance to like move from his position, like sitting there at the Applebee's with his glass of white wine. Like just oh, just turn the phone up. You know, and let's just get him on camera and just going one after the other after the other. Maybe we'll just cut him up and do like a take a show, just make it a new regular bit. Look, he's not camera shy. I mean, like mm-hmm. he's he's on every single political network out there uh, of of a certain vein, and like I, I I bet you he just he just let these takes rip. Like if, if we want to hit our vertical video goal for the month, just constant Lou Holtz takes is is potentially the way to go. These are all very, very good ideas. And Tom, that might have been the best edition of the Fernellis in the multiple years that we have been unveiling these awards also at the end. Probably of the, the most NSFW version <laughs> that we've done. But I mean, I, I work with the material given to me by the college football world. Just listen, we are just reflecting uh, what we see in the college football world. Coming up on the other side, we do our big game breakdowns every single Wednesday turning our attention to Alabama, Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Louisville. And for those watching live, maybe a little more next. On Saturday, it's another great SEC on CBS matchup when head coach Nick Saban takes his 12th ranked Crimson Tide into enemy territory against Texas A&M. We'll get you set for kickoff beginning at 2.30 Eastern with the drive to Atlanta presented by Mercedes-Benz, followed by State Farm College Football Today, Saturday, the SEC on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Let's uh let's start right there since we did. How about Alabama, Texas A&M, um the Crimson Tide, two and a half point favorites, Texas A&M coming off a wild game. I mean, you know, sunrises, sunsets, Texas A&M and Arkansas play weird games in Jerry World, but this is a, a Texas A&M team that I think has been moving forward with some some real momentum uh from the the loss to Miami, the embarrassing loss to Miami to be frank. Do we think that the Aggies – well, let, let's start from this. What aspect of this game – because we do want to sort of peel apart the, the matchup. What aspects of this game do you think matter the most? Where will it be won? I, I think pass protection is going to be key, but also pass rate. So both of these teams have struggled this year to protect the passer. Alabama recently has found a pretty good way to remedy this, which is just don't pass. Right, they're like, oh, you know what? We're just going to run Jalen Norrow a bunch and, and throw some play action stuff against Ole Miss. And uh, I believe they threw what twelve passes against uh, Mississippi State, and most of those were, you know, screens, some play action stuff. Basically, just said we're just not going to do any drop back passing. It, it, it's like a, a pitcher in baseball be like, all right, I really only have a good fastball on the team. Just like, just throw it. 
we, we, we don't want to see that junk slider up there. We'll, we'll live with the results. A&M's pass rush has been fantastic. Can A&M force Alabama into a game state in which they have to pass, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Two, two score lead, end of half situations. And if so, how does that look? Because Bama's run blocking the last two weeks has actually been fairly okay. I think part of that is because you get better angles when you're that dedicated to running the quarterback. Uh, but can Alabama pass protect if they have to? On the flip side, like A&M has really nice weapons. And they have not pass protected super well. Bama's defense looks awesome to me. Uh, I, I, the, the matchup of A&M's receivers on, on Bama's DBs is really pretty fascinating. How much will Bama have to blitz to get home? I and mean, if they don't have to blitz much, I, I think Bama has a pretty nice spot here. But on the flip side, like, can you really trust this Alabama offense on the road? We, we've seen some horrific performances from so far. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to with me looking at this one because, as you mentioned, it, this Aggies defense is very disruptive. And the Alabama offensive line, which is something we've harped on for a long time, it has, I think that, having Milrow back there and just having him established and using him as more of a runner has really helped that offensive line in the run blocking aspect of it. But the pass blocking is still an absolute mess. And this Aggies team, it leads the nation in sack rate at 14.8%. And if you look at havoc rate, which for our listeners who aren't familiar is basically the percentage of plays that have a tackle for loss, force fumble, interception, pass breakup, or a sack. They are leading the nation in that as well at 23.8% of their snaps. So nearly a quarter of their snaps on defense are ending in some kind of havoc play. That is not a great sign for me if I'm Alabama and I have Jalen Milrow standing back there in the pocket behind that offensive line on the road where things can be a little shaky, especially in a loud environment like that one. So the question for me is does AM want to bring that kind of pressure? Because they have a very high sack rate, despite the fact that they don't get a ton of pressure overall, which tells me either they're very, very good at disguising their blitzes and getting home, or the quarterbacks they've played have played a role in that sack rate. But I think you can get to Milrow if you bring the pressure. But on the other end, this is an Alabama offense that really struggles when it gets into the red zone. So do you want to maybe sit back, force Milrow to B-Day zone and make those kind of decisions on the road, keep him in the pocket, and then take your chance in the red zone where he has really struggled to be effective as a quarterback. So that's going to be an interesting thing from the Texas A&M defense and DJ Dirk, and I'm really interested in seeing what kind of choice they make there. It's an interesting point you bring up, Tom, because I think in this game, most of us would agree that low-scoring favors Alabama mm-hmm. and that A&M would probably try to get out and run, not run the football, but like r- run a little higher tempo, try to play a little higher scoring game. However, A&M's defensive backs were horrendous against Miami, right? Like when I mean, there were guys that they yeah. fell down, some people will tell you they slipped on the logo. I, I don't know about that, uh, but they were wide open Miami guys pretty consistently. And Miami's receiving core has improved this year. I don't know if it's that improved. We'll, we'll, we'll see as, as they start to play some real opponents. And we just don't know about AM secondary because like Arkansas's receivers are, are pretty mid and obviously their passing game is non-existent. They've played ULM, which runs like a modified Bryles type thing, but like it's ULM and New Mexico, which is running what UAB ran for all those years uh, under Bill Clark and, and, and Brian. So like, we don't really know how good this AM secondary is. I expect that AM will, tr- will do exactly what you said. Sit back, because Bama can still hit an explosive or two. Yeah. Can they can they hit three or four passes underneath consistently? Anum's front is is 
absolutely for real to me. I, like, I mean, you, you get you get Walter Nolan, Shamar Turner is freaking awesome. McKinley, like, you got a lot of really really good players in, in that A and M front. The back end, uh, not so much. So, I think you try to protect your back end with numbers, and you try to let your studs up front win, and, and maybe force some field goals there in the red zone. But that does lead to a slower pace game, a lower scoring game potentially. So it's sort of a weird dichotomy. Like, do you want to try to get in the score fest or do you want to try to, I, I think you probably still sit back. Durkin is also not known as a high blitz guy. So I, I can't imagine he'd break that tendency in this ball game, but he could, who knows. Jace McClellan, Roydale Williams, man, that's underwhelming from what we've seen from the the Alabama ground game outside of what Jalen Milrow can go out there and do, you know, like workmanlike from every now and then. I think they're both averaging around like five yards per carry, sure. But, you know, it doesn't seem as though that is a, a dominant group. And I know that was an issue last year as well with Alabama. And so I'm really looking at that group to see whether or not they're going to be able to get anything, um, any kind of consistency going against a very good Texas A&M front. Also from the injury report uh, side of things, mostly healthy, but I will say, so Evan Stewart, little bit knocked up in the Arkansas game. I think it's an ankle. Jimbo says this week he should be good to go. I have full expectation that Evan Stewart is going to be out there. I'm not expecting he will be a late scratch. Oh, uh, you're either really knocked up or you're fully knocked up or you're not. <laughs> oh, knocked up, knocked out. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be like fully knocked out, but if he's, like, are we going nicked up or are we going knocked out? <laughs> nicked, up. nicked up or knocked out, knocked up, nicked out, nicked, nicked up. Listen, it's an ankle. I'm sure he's going to go ahead and give it a go. Um, but could be something to keep an eye on if that thing gets aggravated. You took a little bit of a, a late hit, and you had to had to go walk it off. But uh, something to, to keep an eye on, as Stewart is, for my money, like one of the most important skill players that Texas A&M has on this offense right now. And when you've got a defense, especially a, a defensive front, that can cause problems, man, Max Johnson would love to know that he's got Evan Stewart there to be able to throw a potential 50-50 ball up to because of how much of a higher percentage chance he gives you of being able to make that be a reception. You mentioned Alabama's running backs and the run game being kind of lackluster, and Bud touched on this a little bit too. Like If you look at the raw numbers, Alabama's running backs don't look great. If you look at the raw numbers, Texas A&M's running backs, hey, Le'Veon Moss is averaging six yards a carry. Amari Daniels is averaging five and a half. But if you look at it from the EPA standpoint, Alabama ranks 77th in EPA per rush. A&M is 117th. Neither one of these teams has run the ball very well all year. It's going to be, will either of them be able to in this game? Mm. Also turnovers. A&M's yeah. turned the ball over a lot. I mean, some of it was the Miami game and just kind of weird stuff, but they have turnover rate of 11.7%. The national average is 10.7. That ranks 77th. It's like, I know you're at home, and this, but this is a huge game. You need to take care of the football in this one if you're going to beat Alabama. Any other, uh, any other final expectations here? Is there a number we feel like Bama has to get to? Because like, I, I almost, I'm almost certain that Petrino is going to scheme up like a shot or two, right? Like, like if if Bama Alabama gets 24, needs 24, Alabama okay. needs 24 points. I was going to say 27. Yeah, but. Depending oh, on tempo, yes, mm -hmm. I, I, I could see that. Like total is just totals, and by the way, like speaking of turnovers, this might be a hey 
Alabama's defense, we need you to go out there and get us a score or at least get us a short field um, kind of situation. Dallas Turner off the outside, strip sack, you know, fall on the ball. Now all of a sudden life becomes much easier for Jalen Milrow when you're not asking him to march 75 yards. Over under is around 47. So we are looking at a game that should be decided in the 20s. On Thursday, we'll see if anybody makes this one of their week six locks. Speaking of that, I mean, Bama's what, two and a half right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's assume like full full home field, obviously. It would be like Bama nine and a half, Bama 10 in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, probably around there. Bama was just six and a half against Ole Miss. Bama was what, seven, seven and a half against Texas? Mm-hmm. Hold on. So, something feel off there? <laughs> Uh, can you run that back, please? Sure. So <laughs> don't make ba- Chip do great math in his brain. <laughs> All right. So 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 Bama's a two and a half point favorite, right? Yeah. In college, uh, I, I I understand the like comparative, like what what so sure. Like so for the chat, the let, let's let's take them from College Station to a neutral site. Right. We'll give Bama back like three and a half or four. So that's going to take it up to six. Right. Right. And then going in, it's a you know, big time game, full, full crowd, you know, full environment. Going back to Tuscaloosa, we're going to go from that six six and a half number. To nine and a half, ten, adding in the home field because you lose the home field when you go to the neutral, and then the other team gains the home field when they go to their home field. So Does when I say feel- on the show like flip home, right, you're generally adding somewhere between like six and eight to the spread, unless so it's a MAC game, and then I, I don't use any home field. Yeah, yeah all right. So <laughs> disrespectful. Come on, you don't walk into the glass. Well, unless you hole. think bus travel is like like, like <laughs> maybe if if we knew they're they're got like like a whatever the really bad bus brand is now. You seen Eastern Michigan? Come on now. Uh, all right. So you're saying that if Alabama like blew out, not blew out, but if Alabama beat Ole Miss handily covering that spread, then how does that impact your expectation for the Texas A? Like where is, what What feels off? Well, it, it just, if you go just on ratings, basically A&M is being rated behind Ole Miss and behind Texas. At the same time, I think perception plays into this quite a bit. So we did not know how iffy Bama's offense would be when they were playing Texas. That's why they were more slightly more than a touchdown. However, we got Bama really cheap against Ole Miss, right? right. Because we had just seen the USF game and it looked like a complete disaster. So I like obviously if they played again today, Bama would not be seven over Ole Miss. It, it would be ten, maybe a little more, depending, regardless of, of what Ole Miss LSU just did, whatever sport that was. Um. But it is interesting. I do play that game in my head. I'm like, this is this team really like like why are we, is something off here? Is one of these teams significantly better or worse than maybe we thought of at the time? I, I don't know. if if I'm looking for any overreaction, it comes from the um, it comes really more from the fact that Arkansas gifted Texas A&M a lot in that game, you know, and like credit Texas A&M's defense, the group that we started. You know, praising at the beginning of this big game breakdown for creating that kind of havoc. But it was also a lot of short fields for that Texas A&M offense. A lot of good, advantageous field position where 34 to 22, you know, it was a kind of... I, I wonder if if that game, you know, makes Texas A&M look a little bit more dominant and maybe you're a little bit more confident in the Aggies coming out of it thanks to the way that the turnovers went in that game. We'll see. Always playing with public perception. Noon Eastern time. Get your 
deep fried treats, say hello to Big Tex, and settle in for what should be an absolutely epic edition of the Red River Showdown. So, um, Red River Rivalry, Red River Showdown, Red River Shootout, whatever go. it's going to be called. Shootout, yeah. yeah. Um, where, where is this one to say? Is it Oklahoma? Who you played versus how they played them. Toughest opponent that they will have on their regular season schedule. Easily. Um, most likely loss. How do you think the Sooners square up against a Texas team that we have seen tested more uh, in this matchup? I'm pretty excited to watch this. You know, yeah. I, I, I've watched Texas so far. I, I'm pretty convinced that Texas has a good O-line and a really good defensive line, especially on the defensive interior. Obviously, we know Texas has elite weapons. We'll see if Jatavian Sanders plays the, the the tight end, who's who's a total stud for Texas. Like I'm, I'm fairly certain that I know what Texas's floor is. Right? I don't know 100 percent their ceiling yet. Like, are they the best team in the country? They have to be in the conversation. I don't know if they necessarily are the best team in the country, but like they have really elite weapons, and I, I think are much better on defense than they've been in quite some time. Uh, they they block Bama pretty effectively for a lot of that football game, so th- there is some signal that for me on the Oklahoma side, like they definitely play a style, like they look great. Okay, on- honestly, as far as just defensively, they look really really good, but they do play a style where it's like you have to be a certain level of team to handle it, and the level of team they've played so far really can't handle it. I mean, SMU's offense has been disappointing so far this year. They faced Tulsa's third stringer. We've seen Cincinnati's offense. Cincinnati was in the stretch of not scoring an offensive touchdown in 16 offensive possessions, right? Uh, who else did they play? Uh, uh, Arkansas State, where mm-hmm. that was literally before they put the good quarterback in because they didn't know they had him because he, he was a true freshman. So Oklahoma has played like an overwhelming style to me in this one. And I know I'm running long here. I just I, I watched a lot of clips last night. I don't know how well that style is going to hold up against Texas. It might. We, we just we don't know. I, I don't think we're stealing on the number here. Like, like I'm not sure this number should be like 11 or something like that. I, I, I make. I, I probably have a pick in this one for tomorrow, but we'll we'll see. There have been some things that teams did to Oklahoma that make me think, ah, if that team had a better quarterback, mm. if they had a better receiver, if they could block it up for half a count longer there are some opportunities to burn Oklahoma defensively uh, on Oklahoma's defense. So to me, that is something that I think Texas is going to watch. I reminded of, remember the Texas-Kansas State game last year? Texas went unbalanced a lot, and they did a lot of this stuff, with like like trips into the boundary, and a lot of teams do struggle with this because it's a hard check to make because it, it's, it, it makes it hard to, to fit the run out of it but, but still cover it. I will look for Texas to attack Oklahoma's safeties in coverage down the field because there are ways to scheme it up where you get those guys one-on-ones, and I do think Texas has a pretty good matchup there. I think if you're Brent for Oklahoma and you live by the Blitz, you die by the Blitz. Like I would just come after yours nonstop, try to play a really up-tempo game. Maybe yours panics under the pressure. Maybe you get home a little bit, right? Like Maybe he throws you a cookie or two and you take it back the other way. Like I... I would not – I know people are like, oh, Texas in the red zone, Texas in the red zone, like it's been a problem. It has a little bit. But I 
I would tr- I would play really aggressively if I'm Oklahoma. It's what's got you here so far. I wouldn't play a bunch of soft stuff. I Texas wise, do you remember uh, Ohio State Clemson in the Sugar Bowl? Mm-hmm. I kind of want to take this game out of Ewers' hands in terms of like reading it up. I just want to go shot place. Just give me a bunch of shot plays. I'm going to hit enough of them to get to a number that I, f- I feel good about, which is probably you know give me thirty something. Uh, I. I don't want to give Quinn Ewers the chance to make a bunch of mistakes. You know, I I look at this game and everything I see based on just the numbers and trying to break this down tells me to take Texas. But I've also seen this game like a thousand times and none of that ever really matters when these two teams play. So it's one of those weird situations. I I. Quinn Ewers is definitely worse under pressure. I think, I mean, every quarterback is worse under pressure than they are without it. But I think that he is, there's a significant drop off in his performance when he is pressured. I don't have the numbers in front of me. This is just trying to remember what I saw. I think I'm correct here. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, oh, you're it. Yeah. Okay. So I understand that. I, I do think if you are Oklahoma, you want to bring pressure. But at the same time, again, this is going back to the same thing we talked about with Alabama and AM. I wonder if you might want to just make him take those short shots because we saw in the Alabama game, like they hit those deep throws and you're right. Like the safeties that Oklahoma has could be a problem for them against these Texas receivers. It's something that the Longhorns can exploit, but what if he doesn't hit those deep shots? You know what I mean? Like what can this offense do without those? Because if he wasn't hitting up against Alabama, and I know this is really duh, but if he wasn't hitting up against Alabama, Texas isn't winning that game. So I, I wonder if you try to take that away and see if it works, if it proves ineffective, okay, then maybe I start dialing up the heat and trying to you know force him into a turnover and see if I can get home. But, again, that offensive line is so freaking good that the Longhorns have that I don't know how confident I'm going to be. If I'm going to generate pressure, I'm going to have to bring extra rushers. I'm going to have to bring them from different spots. And maybe if they don't get home, that's going to leave my secondary, which is not the greatest in a lot of bad spots covering dudes that are really hard to cover. So you could get burned pretty easily by it. But we talk about Texas's struggles in the red zone on offense, where Texas doesn't struggle in the red zone is on defense. They have been one of the best red zone defenses in the country. And we talk about Brent Venables and like Oklahoma defense playing well, but there's a question about how they've played. I think we're kind of underselling how good this Texas defense has been. Like, if you look at a lot of the metrics, I think the Longhorns are better defensively than the Sooners have been, and they've done it against a tougher schedule. I mean, they played Alabama, for Christ's sake. So, like I said, everything about this game has me thinking, oh, this is going to be Texas big. No problem. They're going to be able to run the ball, throw the ball. Oklahoma will get points. I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up or get enough stops. But at the same time, I do think Oklahoma can exploit this Texas defense in a way that Alabama couldn't because while Jalen Milrow will take shots down the field and he's capable of hitting them, he's just not very efficient. I think the Oklahoma offense is a bit more efficient in what it wants to do. And I think Dylan Gabriel could have more success as a passer in this one than Milrow did in that Alabama offense. I think Texas needs to respect it more than they did against Alabama in that game. So this is going to be a really interesting showdown between these two quarterbacks. And also, I've seen a lot of jokes in the chat about it. What happens if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt? Like, you know, everybody, there, there's always a quarterback hurt in this right? game. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe then, well, then Jackson Arnold comes in and Texas's defense is probably in even more trouble than it was. What so if Quinn Ewers gets hurt? 
well, then Malik Murphy comes in and he's awesome too. Like, that's the thing. There are a lot of good quarterbacks in this game. Can we figure out a way to get them all on the field at the same time just to see what happens? Maybe throw some two QB offenses out there. But no, this is this is going to be a very fun game in which I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. I have an inkling, but I have no trust in that. And I really, really cannot wait to watch it on Saturday. Let's empty the notebook. Um, I think Tom brings up a great point on the Texas defense, right? Like they have been elite in the red zone. What do we think Dylan Gabriel struggles with? Throws to the wide side of the field because his arm's not big, right? Do you want to force him to make more difficult throws, which could result in explosive plays at the risk of not giving yourself the opportunity to win in the red zone, not giving yourself a chance to force field goals? I, I think probably so. Um, Oklahoma's run game has been sneaky poor this year mm-hmm. relative to competition. I mean, they now I understand since he has a, a decent run defense, right? At ask Pitt, but SMU's is merely okay, and they didn't really run the football effectively in that game. I, I it's an interesting co- question, man. Like, what do you want to do? I, this kid, Jalen Catalan, who uh, Arkansas Texas from Arkansas, yeah. I know he hasn't played a lot of snaps this year. I, I, I assume he's been hurt, but like when I watch his cutups, man, he is all over the field. Like oh, that's he's a violent dude, too, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a difference maker in this football game. Like assuming he's like he's been playing more lately, so I'm wondering if he was hurt early in the year. I just didn't have it in my notes, but that's like a major piece for them if, if he's healthy. That's a difference maker for those guys. It, it is funny, Tom. You mentioned, um, you know, the the Texas defense, the Oklahoma defense. They they are both really strong mm-hmm. right you know and we look at the quarterbacks that they faced and you know you need to make some adjustments for that but i still think it's going to be a shootout <laughs> yeah because it's this game <laughs> in tempo right yeah. like texas wants to go a little tempo obviously oklahoma wants to go crazy tempo you know whether whether you are looking at uh you know success rate whether you are looking at you know any of the the epa statistics like this these two defenses grade very very well and I, you can't talk me into an under. Not in this game. Absolutely not. Could I, oh, Bud, can you talk yourself into an under? It's big game Sark, if, if you kind of believe in that concept. Like, he really gets in his bag and, and, and scheme stuff for these. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, could I bet under? I, yeah. I, I, I'll always, always bet numbers, not teams. I don't know if I will bet under. But like, I, I, I could. That is that's the words of of I've heard a lot of professionals and smart savvy betters say that um, no nah, always bet teams and vibes as never bet numbers. <laughs> if this game goes under, it's Texas gets up early, Texas snuffs out these Oklahoma skill guys who may or may not be good. Right, right, and then like Texas reduces the tempo because they're up. You get a whole lot of Jonathan Brooks, whole lot of short passes. You know easy conversions, te- Texas run, kind of like that drive Texas had against Alabama, right? Like one of the most impressive drives of the year was, was that drive to salt the game away. That's kind of how this goes under. If Oklahoma gets up early, it's over. It's over. Oh, yeah. It, it's no doubt over. 42, 14 is an under to your Texas, you know, yeah. get up and sit on it type situation. Um, over under of 60 Texas favored by six and a half. All right. Uh, let's do one more. Turning our attention to Notre Dame and Louisville. 
Notre Dame in the midst of four straight prime time games. Second one in a row on the road. So what are we expecting as they take on a Cardinals team that finds itself up in the top 25, 5-0 and under Jeff Brom? Everything that, if you painted the um, why Louisville will go over, we looked at the schedule and we said, look, they're going to be showing up to that Notre Dame game 4-1, and maybe even 5-0. and That is exactly where they are. What are we looking at in this matchup? Coaching. Ooh. How so? I think Notre Dame has better players at almost every position except for wide receiver. It is just a tough spot for the Irish, right? Like, I think Louisville has a better head coach than Marcus Freeman. Obviously, Jeff Brom is a really, really accomplished coach. And that's not a knock on Freeman. I, I just, I think Brom's like a top 15 coach in the sport. Jeff Brom's got nine years in his, like, yeah, nine or exactly nine years right. of being a head coach under his belt and, Good success at Western Kentucky led Purdue to a Big Ten title game. Can you get your team ready to play a third anticipated you know, competitive game in as many weeks? Ohio State at Duke at Louisville. Louisville's got an extra day of rest because they played on Friday night. You know Jeff Brom will have some stuff schemed up. It's going to be on Marcus Freeman to get these guys to come out and be like, hey, play to your talent level again. If you do, you should push these guys around on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think Louisville has one receiver who really scares you. The quarterback's fine. He's not amazing. Would that be Thrash? Jamari yeah, Thrash? Yeah, I, I think Thrash is really good. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but like to me, it's, it's a coaching matchup because the players here, I think, are decisively better for Notre Dame. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I know they're undefeated. I don't buy Louisville. Yeah. I just, it's when I watch this team, it's like, okay. There, I think it speaks to kind of what you're saying about Brom is that he is getting the absolute maximum out of this team because I think part of what my problem with this offense is I don't buy Jack Plummer as anything more than a Jag, but we have seen Jeff Brom get a lot out of Jags with his offense. Jag like Plummer, Col- yeah, <laughs> Jag yeah. Plummer. Like, but yeah, like it's it's too easy. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but like here's the thing: Plummer threw five touchdowns against Boston College. Take that game out of the season, and he's got six touchdowns and six interceptions. He has not been spectacular. He does make too many mistakes. He puts the ball in danger a lot. And I think going up against this Notre Dame team, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody that Louisville has played, but we talked all offseason about Louisville as a dark horse because of its schedule. Louisville's played Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, and NC State team. An NC State team that, on the road, that's a very good win, and they should be proud of it, but it's also an NC State team that I think is performing below our expectations for it this season. Yeah. And this is a Notre Dame team that I think is far better than anything they have faced on both sides of the ball, on both lines of scrimmage. And I think the one thing on the other side of the ball with Louisville they do they get a ton of pressure like they are very very good at that they've been kind of good at that for the last few years even with the coaching you know turnover on the on the staff but they also haven't faced an offensive line that's anywhere near as good as this one and they also despite that pressure very seldom get home so i don't know if that's going to be there for them and i think notre dame like sam hartman has seen a lot of pressure in the last few weeks against duke and ohio state and he's handled it pretty damn well for the most part i just 
don't think that the advantage that gave them in those games that they've won is going to carry the same kind of benefit to them in this matchup against Notre Dame. I think the Irish getting their receivers back is going to help that offense. I think it's going to give them a lot more options and make it much more difficult to slow down if I'm Louisville. I think they can lean on you with the run game. I think they could keep that Louisville offense off the field, which is the one thing you probably want to do because I don't want to give Jeff Brom chances to put up points against me because he'll do a good job of it. He's very good at it. So I look at this matchup, and it's like you said, but everywhere I look on the field, I feel like Notre Dame is better than Louisville. And I would get, I would say Jeff Brom, I think, with the experience and everything he's done, is definitely a better head coach to this point as far as game day than Marcus Freeman has been. But is he that much better where I can really think Louisville's going to go and beat the Irish in this game? I, I don't think so. I think Notre Dame's been tested. I think they've passed a lot of these tests. And I think this, I mean, it's at home, so I can't completely rule Louisville out. But just based on what I see, like Chip, the teams and numbers thing, you know, y- your teams and your your vibes. My vibe from Louisville tells me that this one could get ugly fast, and that's just kind of what I'm expecting. I uh, all right to argue the, the four Louisville point beyond the coaching. Totally agree with Tom that Louisville's offense has been very dependent on opponent quality. Like they have blown out all the bad defenses they've faced. Depending on how good you think Indiana's defense is, you can kind of put that in a weird category or, or you can mark them. Well, it's Indiana as, and NC State. Like the outliers yeah, are when, right. granted, like not road game for Indiana, but not in what I do think is going to be an incredible atmosphere. Like night game, you're in the top 25, the Jeff Brom arrival, everybody who has been opening up their checkbooks and their hearts is looking at this as like, okay, here we go. And they are going to be primed. So what you know what can happen? Sorry, bud, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, 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 no. I, I think that's exactly the point. Like, like home field in college is real, right? Uh, playing back to back to back tough games is is a real thing. I, if you look at it, NC State kind of held both these offenses to similar success rates, not identical, similar. Notre Dame found a way to hit some explosive plays mm-hmm. against NC State, while Louisville largely did not. If Notre Dame can't get out and score, that's how this game stays close. Mm-hmm. Like Notre Dame needs to go score 30-plus in this one, right? Louisville does not present as a good defense so far. But if you want to know how it stays close, it's that. Now, they're supposed to get uh, Thomas and Greathouse back this week from the, the press stuff that, that I read and watched. Obviously, Irish Illustrated does an awesome job. We hope those guys are back because clearly they're better than what the backups are. But if Notre Dame just can't score, if they're just like, if they're an NFL team scoring wise, you know, in the teens, 20s, like they've been the last couple weeks, it's hard to blow a team out if you only score 20 something. And that's how Louisville hangs around. And I do have confidence Louisville will scheme up, you know, one or two things. Just one or two things should not be enough. Mm-hmm. But if it is, that that's where that's where you got problems. If, if this Irish offense just continues to not score, I have max confidence in, in Notre, Notre Dame's defense. I, I think they're really good. Yeah. Um, will be very interesting to watch again. That is a 7:30 PM kickoff. Uh, Notre Dame currently favored by six and a half over under of 54 and a half. All right. We're going to do something a little bit special here for all of y'all watching live. You're listening to the audio product. Well, I'm sorry. The podcast is about to end. If you are here on YouTube, we've got more big game breakdowns coming. So, 
We will be back on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for the best part of any week in the college football season. It will be our locks for week six. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.